something today. It's a brand new series called I Am the Bridge. Turn to somebody and say, that's you, that's you, amen? And so we've got some, uh, some apparel, if you will. We've got some hats. We've got uh, a few of these that are outside at the VIP table. If you'd like some of these hats, go by. Now, it ain't free. Amen. Come on, somebody. It ain't, it ain't free. Uh, but you know what? We don't make any money off of them. We just basically get what we spend on them, which is not a lot. So we do have some hats. We've got some shirts. You've seen some people wearing these shirts. I am the bridge. And it's kind of that tagline, the church has what? Left the building. If there ever was a time where the church has left the building, that time is actually now. Because in the season that we're in, I mean, guys, think about it. When we entered into 2020, if you would have told me that by March, the whole world would have shut down, I'd have said, man, you're crazy. But yet we find ourselves living in these perilous times, if you will. And so, again, I look at it as an opportunity for the church to be the church and to spread the love and hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're starting this brand new series today, I Am the Bridge. And really, if you think about it, this is who we're called to be. We're called to be this as Christ followers. And so what I want to do real quick is kind of give you a roadmap of where we're going to go over the next few weeks. So kind of whet your appetite a little bit because here's the thing. I don't want you missing any weeks in September. Turn to somebody and say, you got to be here. You got to be here. Come on, look at them and say, if you're not here... We're going to come get you. Amen. So I don't want you to miss any of these messages, if you will. And hey, if you've got vacation schedule and all that, I understand. Cancel it. Amen. Just be here. So anyway, let me give you a roadmap of where we're going over the next few weeks. So next week, we're going to be talking about how I am a bridge to the fatherless. I am a bridge to the fatherless. I know for some of you, this touches your heart like nothing else. We're going to be talking about spiritual dads and biological dads and our heavenly dad. We're going to be talking about fatherhood and the fatherless. We're going to be talking about how we are the bridge to the poor. We are the bridge to the lonely, the needy, and so much more. We're going to be talking about all of these things because why? That's what God has called us to be. Hence the words, I am am. As Christ followers, we are called to be the bridge to the fatherless, the bridge to the poor, the bridge to the lonely, the bridge to the hurting, to bridge them to Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to be. And so we're going to be talking a lot about that. We are the church. And it's interesting because when you look at the word church, the actual meaning of that word is ecclesia. Ecclesia. Come on, say that three times real quick. Ecclesia. And that simply means the gathering or the assembly. So you understand that the church is not necessarily a building. The church is not necessarily a place that you go. The church is the people. Come on, turn to somebody and say, we are the church. We're the church. I am the bridge. And so we're going to be talking about this over the next several weeks. And on October the 4th, we're going to wrap this whole series up. And we're going to be taking up what we call our offering fit for a king. Now, when you come in this morning, some of you, you may have seen this right here. You may have grabbed one of these. If you did not grab one, let me encourage you to get one. One per family. It's just an envelope. And let me just go over a little bit about what that is. So once a 
year we take up what we call an offering fit for a king. And basically what we're asking you to do as a family is to pray about what God would lay on your heart to give sacrificially into the work of the ministry. And you say, well, where does all that money go? Great question. So we're going to take all of the money that's raised on that particular day and we're going to spread it out over everything that we're talking about. So for instance, you guys know that we are connected with Triple S High School right across the street here. So we're going to help those kids across the street. They have something called Spartan Academy. Spartan Academy is for the kids who for whatever reason, they're not able to go to school during the day. Nobody is. But anyway, they can't go during the day, so they have to go off hours. Well, guess what? The state doesn't budget for that. So we help them. We bless them. We help provide a graduation service for them. We do all of that. And so we're going to be helping them. We also are going to be helping our Bridge to Hope ministry. Every single Sunday, do you guys realize this? Every single Sunday, we have a mobile unit that is in Johnston, Wayne County that goes out every Sunday to help feed those that are homeless, to help clothe them, to help be a blessing to them. We also have a mobile medical unit that we send out, and that's in Johnston and Wayne County. That helps provide basic medical needs to those who can't get it. So we're going to help be a part of that, and we're going to sow into that. Not only that, but we also have a Celebrate Recovery ministry. It goes on every Tuesday night, so we're going to help celebrate that and sow into that. But probably one of the main things, guys, that we want to sow into is how many of you would agree that this is a great place to be? Three of you. I was expecting like the place went up. How many of you would agree this is a great place to be right here? Yes. How many of you would agree that what goes on in the four walls of this church is just absolutely amazing? Yes. So here's the way I feel about it, guys. I feel, and I say this all the time, I feel that because of what's going on right here, it is so great and so amazing, I believe it would be a sin for us to keep it contained in these four walls. So therefore, what I'd love to do is I want to be online. Not just me, but I want this church. I want this atmosphere. I want us to be online to get the message out. If you look around, you see a lot of our people that are still not able to be with us in person. So we want them to be able to get the message. We want them to be able to get into worship and experience what you guys are experiencing. And so with that, that means a lot of equipment. That means cameras. That means soundboard. That means a whole lot of stuff that I don't even know what we need, but it means a lot. And so what I'd love to see us do is to be able to reach the people that are not able to be here, but then to reach even further than that. So that every time someone gets saved and they're watching online, you know what? We're a part of that. You've sowed into that. You've helped us to do that so that we can get what's going on in here out to the community. Again, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I believe that right now the church has the greatest opportunity to leave the building and be the church. So that's what we want to do. And we're going to do all of that on October the 4th. So I want you to be praying about that as we move in. But today, today we're going to be talking about, are you ready? Turn to somebody and say, buckle up. Come on, look at them. Say, you know what? You really need to buckle up today. About to bring it. This is going to be a hot button topic for today. 
And to open this series out, I want you to watch this video real quick. have done a, a wonderful, phenomenal job of coming together, forming this amazing family, great kids, God is at the center of it all, and, and you give him the glory for all that's happened, but we also know that was a journey. Right. So can you talk to me a little bit about the journey that you guys went on to get to where you are 22 years in? My mom always told me that white people felt this way, you know, about black people or about us. You know, well, what do you think about that? You know, did you ever think this or that? I know one story we have for sure. Um, we talk about like the Cosby Show and Whitney Houston. And he was saying that when he was growing up, he loved the Cosby Show. He thought Felicia Rashad was so beautiful, and he loved Whitney Houston. He thought she was so hot, but he would never say that in front of his friends because you you, you just wouldn't dare say that out loud. Oh, why wouldn't you? You know. So then he would proceed to explain. You know, just. I guess in that culture and your etiquette that there was some, certain lines you didn't cross. Right. You know, I remember when I was in um, middle school, I had a friend, Kathy Smith was her name, and I guess she was turning 13, and I got the birthday invitation. I, oh boy, I got invited to a birthday party with the cool kids. And I told my mom, she says, oh no, you can't go over to her house. And I was like, well, why come I can't? Well, she's white. Well, so, well, she lives over there in this area, and I don't know what they will do if you go over there, and they might mistreat you, and I'm like, like, we go to school every day. Like, how could you say that? But in her mind, all she could associate were her experiences, I, I'm assuming, or her preconceived notions. And so I didn't go, and, and I never questioned my mom about that because you just didn't do that. But in hindsight, I was like, well, well, what was so wrong with that? Why couldn't I go? But it was just an unspoken known that, you know, we live here, they live there, we're good, they're good, and you just don't cross, right. you know? Not that they're bad and we're better, but it was like they, they have their way of doing things, we have our way, and we just, we don't intermingle. And that was just where we left it. So the result was that there never really was understanding because you never had the conversations no. that led to understanding. No. But I always remember growing up in school, like my wife said, man, I had a lot of black friends. We played football together. Right. We, we played on, we didn't hate each other. We could care less about the, the grown-up problems, you know. We were like, man, I see what the problem is. I like my buddy here. He's a good friend, you know. We always got along. And But when we left school and we went home, that was it. I went, that was it. I went to my house in my neighborhood, and he went to his house in his neighborhood. And that's just the way it was. My uncle um, how, and my mom, how she basically had judged David based on his color, thinking, well, no, he's not going to be good because he's this, he's that. And at the end of the day, she saw that through Christ, you know, he's a man of honor. He's a man of integrity. He, he takes care of his family, loves his wife, loves his kids. And so his character outshine his culture, you know? And that's, if people could see things through that lens and just see character, it's, it's not about, I mean, embrace your culture, love your culture, but at the end of the day, it's Christ first. And that's the lens through which we need to see stuff. So. Isn't that what Dr. King was talking about? He did. He just said that we can get past externals and see the heart, see the cult, the character. Right. That changes everything. Yeah. Changes everything. Amen. So today we're going to open up this whole series and we're going to be talking about how that I am, we are the bridge to overcoming prejudice. Um, I remember back in 2002 in the Winter Olympics 
and there was this major incident that took place in the world of figure skating. Now, that's not a world I live in. I don't watch figure skating. I don't know a whole lot about figure skating. Nothing against figure skating, just not a world I live in. But I do remember this story. And I do remember what took place. And it was amazing because you had the Canadian skaters who did a flawless performance. And everybody just knew they were going to be the winners. They were the ones that's got it. And then you had the Russians to come up behind them, and they skated a really not-so-good performance. And so even the TV announcers for the United States and Canada, they were like, man, there's Canada has won the gold. There's no way it's great. But when it came time for the results, Russia won the gold. And it was such a shock to everybody that was watching this, only to find a few days later, one of the judges, the French judge, she came up and said that she was pressed to vote for the Russians before the event ever took place. She would later say, well, I changed my mind, it didn't happen. But the end result was, the way they righted the wrong was there was two gold medals issued. One was issued to the Russians and one was issued to the Canadians. Now understand something, the problem wasn't that they didn't know who earned the gold medal. That wasn't the problem. The problem, someone had prejudged that event. They had decided the outcome before the event ever took place. And understand something, when it comes to making judges, making judgments is fine. Judges have a job to do. It's their job to determine who's first, second, and third place, and so forth and so on. And we may not like their conclusions at the end of the day, but as long as it's based on the actual performance then we can accept that. As long as there's no prejudice in their decision, we accept those conclusions. So when you talk about a word prejudice, what exactly does that word mean? So let me give you just a couple things that what that word really means. The word prejudice is actually the process of prejudging something or someone. That's what prejudice means. It's the process of prejudging, forming an opinion before the facts are even known. That's what prejudice really is. Now, here's the thing, guys. We look at a word like prejudice and we feel like, well, you know what? We're past all of that. We, we don't have to deal with that. And, and, and here's the thing. If I was to ask you right now, if you're prejudiced, raise your hand. How many of you know nobody's raising their hand? Because we feel like we're past all of that because prejudice is hard to see in the mirror. You can't see it in the mirror. As a matter of fact, all of us have been affected by the ugliness of prejudice. Some of us in here, we've, we've been the brunt of it. And I say us. I remember when I was going to school, I lived in a trailer park. Come on, anybody live in a trailer park? You ever grew up in a trailer park? Come on, great times in the trailer park. I grew up in the trailer park. I didn't have the nicest shoes. I didn't have the nicest clothes. My family provided for me. I had food on the table, even though it was salmon cakes. Come on, in Jesus' name. Mmm. I had food to eat. Holla at me. I had food to eat. I had clothes to wear. I had shoes on my feet. Wasn't the best, but I can remember going to school and kids picking on me all of the time because my shoes weren't up to date. My clothes weren't up to date. They called me trailer park trash. I remember those times, and some of you in here, you have been the brunt of some of these things. And let me just say this from the bottom of my heart, I'm sorry because I know it hurts. When someone has made up their mind about you before they ever get to meet you, hear me today, that's wrong. 
So some people have been the brunt of it. Some people have been the ones that actually dished it out. But all of us have baggage and bondages in our hearts because of prejudice. And so what I want to do real quick today is I want to give you some common types of prejudice. Because there's different types, whether we know it or not. There's a lot of different types. And so I want to give you a few common types of prejudice. And then we're going to wrap it all up. And we're going to talk about how we can be the bridge to overcome prejudice. So if you're taking notes, why don't you write this down? Here's the first type of prejudice. is socioeconomic prejudice. Socioeconomic. What is that? That's the rich and the poor, basically. That's what that is. And when you open up your Bible to the book of James, James actually talks about this kind of prejudice because he talks about a rich person and a poor person in a church service. James chapter 2 verse 1, he says, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, what does he say? Don't show favoritism. Don't show favoritism. And then he goes on to describe this church setting where you've got this rich guy walking in and he's given all the attention. He's given the best seats. He's given everything. And you've got a poor guy that walks into the same service and they look at the poor guy and say, just sit on the floor right there and go stand in the corner. And so James says, hey guys, that's wrong. And then in verse 8 and 9, here's what he says. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, one translation says, hey, if you do this, what is he saying? Love your neighbor as yourself. Come on, who is your neighbor? Turn to somebody and say, everybody. Everybody. Come on, Joko. Everybody. Everybody. You remember the lawyer went to Jesus one time and he was like, who is my neighbor? Everybody is your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. And watch what he says. He says, hey, if you do this, what? You're doing right. But if you show favoritism, what does that say? You sin. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. If you show favoritism, what does he say? You sin. Here's what we have to realize. All people are created equal. Every soul matters to God. Romans chapter 2 verse 11. This is not in your notes. The Bible says that God does not show favoritism. Romans 2.11 says that. God loves everybody. Every soul matters to God. So again, you've got the socioeconomic prejudice. Here's the second one. You've got the ethnic racial prejudice. This is the hot button one right here. This is the hot button one because we've seen all of these tensions brewing all of our lives and it's all of a sudden come to a head. We're seeing all of the riots, we're seeing all of the protests, we're seeing this group hating this group and that group hating that group, and it's almost like there's this big dividing line in the middle, and you've got this crowd and that crowd and this crowd and that crowd, but hear me today, this is the prejudice that is front and center in our minds right now. But I want to make a bold statement, and I've put this in your notes, I want you to write this down, and I want you to really internalize what I'm about to say. Ethnic racial prejudice is not a skin issue, it's a sin issue. Let me say that again. Ethnic racial prejudice has nothing to do with skin, but it has everything to do with sin. I'll prove to you what I'm about to say. In 1994, between the months of April and June, an estimated 800,000 people were murdered in the Rwandan genocide. 
you had two groups of people, two of these tribes, which was the Hutu tribe and the Tutsi tribe. They were very similar ethnic groups and they all lived in Rwanda. They shared the same language. They shared the same culture. They shared the same religious tradition. They shared the same color. And yet 800,000 people were killed because of the size of their noses or the height of their stature. So you understand that this kind of prejudice, it is not a skin issue, it's a sin issue. And it crawls as a dividing line. But then there's another one. You've got intellectual prejudice. This is where the well-educated people tend to look down on the less educated people and the less educated people look down on the well. Well, they just all about themselves, whatever. And so now you've got this dividing line because you make more money than me and so there's this dividing line there. But then you've got the gender prejudice. Come on, ladies. You got all the men folk thinking, oh, I'm the man. And then you got all the ladies saying, No, you ain't, I'm the woman. And so then you got then you got this dividing line here. You know, it's like, you know, my wife tells me all the time, if you the man, why am I still working? Amen. I don't know. But anyway, come on. So you got the gender prejudice. And it's funny, I heard a story some time ago of a lady who stopped at an accident and she got out and she was assisting the, the individual on the ground and some guy pulls up and he jumps out and pushes right away. He said, out of the way, little lady, I'm, uh, I have formal training in first aid. And she stood back and she said, oh, okay. Well, when you get to the part where you need a doctor, I'll be standing right here. <laughs> Come on, all the ladies in the house, look at your man and say, get some, Amen. So you got the gender prejudice, and there's this dividing line. Here's another one, physical prejudice. You ever look at a person's body type? Strong, weak, tall, short, large, small, and you begin to draw conclusions about that person based off of what they look like? Dividing line. And there's the religious prejudice. This is something we don't like to talk a lot about. But it is amazing to me how professing Christians can be so quick to judge another Christian or another church. Ask all the time, what denomination are you from? Misty and I, a few years ago, we were riding on a train in the mountains and we, you know, we were on one side of the table, there was a couple on the other side of the table. Man, we were having a great conversation. It was wonderful. It was great. It was wonderful. And the guy looked at me and found out I was a pastor and everything was good. And he said, oh, you Baptist? I'm like... No, no, we're not Baptists. The whole conversation changed. My brother wouldn't speak to me no more the rest of the train ride. <laughs> Just because I wasn't in that denomination. What church do you belong to? What does your church do in outreach? And then when you start telling them if it's something different than what they do or they're not used to, all of a sudden you're wrong. I mean, heaven forbid all of the hundreds of people that are coming to Christ and having an encounter with Him... But do these critics ever take time to have a conversation or research? Of course not. There's a dividing line. And guys, for sake of time, I mean, I could keep going on and on and on and on because there's certainly a lot of other types of prejudice. But I don't want to spend all of our time today pointing out the dividing lines. What I want to do is look at the Scriptures and see how God wants us to come together. So how do we do that? How can we be the bridge to overcoming prejudice? Let me give you four points real quick today. Here's the first one. Number one, our master. Who's our master? Jesus. We sang about him a lot this morning. Our master Jesus, what did he do? He modeled reconciliation. 
He modeled reconciliation. Jesus ministered across ethnic lines all of the time. There was one time where he had a Roman soldier there. And if you know the history, the Jews, they didn't like the Romans. They didn't like the rules. They didn't like the soldiers. They didn't like them at all. And yet Jesus in this moment, he looks at this Roman soldier and he says, man, you've got more faith than anybody in Israel. And it was like pouring, come on, how many of you guys remember back in the old days when you got a cut, it was something called methylate. Anybody remember some methylate? Do you remember how bad that stuff stung you? Man, my mom kept that stuff by the gallon in the drawer. I don't care if I broke my arm, she was pouring methylate on it saying you're going to get better. But it was like pulling salt on the wound, if you will, when he said that to this Roman soldier. There was another time where he healed a Canaanite woman. Again, crossing those lines. They would have never done that. This woman came to him and her daughter uh, was demon-possessed and said, Hey, Jesus, can you help my daughter? Can you heal my daughter? All the disciples were pushing her away. You got no business around here. Get on. Go on down the road. Don't bother. Master, send her away. She's got no business here. And she kept pressing in. And even Jesus, get this, he turned around and looked at her. And he said, uh, sweetie, is it right for me to give the food that I'm giving to my children to the dogs? Notice what he called. He called her a dog. But watch, because of her desire, because of her desperation, she said, yeah, Lord, but even a dog get a crumb. Amen. And so Jesus in that moment heals her daughter. And probably one of the most profound ones of all was when Jesus went to Samaria. Now you understand that Samaritans and the Jews had nothing to do with one another whatsoever. The Jewish people would walk around Samaria because they didn't see them as valuable. They viewed them as half-breeds. You're not one ethnicity or the other. And they made them as nothing in their eyes. And yet Jesus in this moment says, Hey, I've got to go to Samaria. Lord, are you crazy? You don't go there. No, I've got to go to Samaria. And he meets this woman at the well in John chapter 4. Let's look at this story real quick, starting with verse 7. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Skip down to verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Watch the wording. For the Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. What are you doing asking me? You can't ask me for a drink. We're not even supposed to be in the same vicinity of each other. But Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living Water And throughout this dialogue here, she has an encounter with Jesus. And not only does he minister to her, she actually became his primary evangelist to that city. The whole city comes out to meet with Jesus. And there's evidence after evidence after evidence. But here's what I want you to get. Jesus, our master, modeled reconciliation and so are we. And here's the second one. Because he modeled reconciliation, our mission includes all cultures. Our mission includes all cultures. Let's look at the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and do what? Make disciples. Let's say that again. Go and do what? Make disciples of who? All nations. Come on. He didn't just say Joko. He didn't just say Smithfield. He didn't just say Goldsboro or Princeton or Clayton or Raleigh. 
all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So what is our mission as the church? To make disciples. Who are we to make disciples of? Nations. Everybody. Who's your neighbor? Everybody. Amen. Everybody. And so then Jesus lays out this strategy for being able to do that in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You guys remember, we just got out of a series called Third Person. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, what is one of the main things that He empowers you and equips you to do? You will be my what? My witnesses. Where are you going to witness that? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit comes to help us, to empower us, to witness, to reach different cultures, different ethnic groups, different people. So when it comes to being the bridge to overcoming prejudice, our master modeled reconciliation, and so should we. And because of that, our mission includes all cultures. And then here's the third thing. Our mark of identity is unity. It's unity. It's coming together. I'm not talking about uniformity, because how many of you know everybody's different? How many of you remember, did your parents ever tell you when you were growing up, boy, I'll take you out of this world and make another one just like you? you ever, your parents ever say that to you? Come on, look at them if they ever tell you that again and say, that, you know, I love you, but you lying. That ain't true. Why? Because God said you're an original. You're unique. Nobody has your eye print. Nobody has your fingerprint. Nobody has any of that. You are a unique person. And so because of that, we're different. We have different gifts. We have different talents. We have different genders and cultures and backgrounds. But instead of prejudice, instead of prejudging all around those differences, Jesus says, hey, guys, we're better together. We're better together. One of the most powerful moments in the life of Christ was in his final prayer in John chapter 17. is right before he goes to the cross and he's praying for the church. Come on, that's you and I. And here's what he said. He says, my prayer is, all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me. Here's the wording. May they be brought to what? Complete unity. To let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Do you understand? We can be different and still be unified. We can be different and still be unified. And here's the thing. We have to be. It was a story that took place in 1953. That's actually three years before Martin Luther King Jr. came on the scene. That's before the Civil Rights Act. There was a young preacher by the name of Billy Graham. He was preaching in Chattanooga, Tennessee, preaching a revival, and it was his first service that he went to, and he saw a segregation rope. And in that segregation rope, you had all of the African Americans uh, and the Hispanics and everybody sitting in the behind the rope, all the Caucasians sitting in front of the rope. And Billy Graham told the head usher, now this is Billy Graham, he told the head usher, he said, take the rope down. The head usher wouldn't do it. Nobody would do it. So Billy Graham literally walked off the stage, 
took the rope down and laid it down. And you say, well, that's not really a big deal. No, that is a bold statement in 1953 Southern America. Billy Graham would go on to say that he would never ever again preach to a segregated crowd. He didn't just take the rope down, guys. He broke a barrier. He broke the dividing lines and said, we're united in Christ. We are one in Christ. Why? How can we become that bridge to overcoming prejudiceness? Our master modeled reconciliation. We should too. Because he did that. Our mission includes all cultures. Our mark of identity is unity. And then here's the fourth one. Our measure of success is one kingdom under one king. One kingdom under one king. The book of Revelation kind of describes this scene for us. It's kind of the conclusion of it all. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. And they sang what? A new song. I'll be glad when I get to heaven because I can finally sing. Amen. They sang a new song. You're worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Nobody else could do it, but Jesus was able to do it. Why? Because you were slain with your blood. You purchased men for God. Where did these men come from? Where did these people come from? Watch what it says. Every tribe, language, people, and nation. Can I say something to you? If you don't like diversity, you're probably not going to like heaven. When you are in Christ, the dividing lines go away. See guys, here's really what it all comes down to. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21 says this, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a what? A liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he cannot see. And this command we have from him who loves God must also love his brother. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. As if I haven't pushed buttons already. The only way the back of prejudice will be broken in our nation is when it is broken in our churches. The only way the back of prejudice will be broken in our nation is when it is broken in our churches. So no matter whatever direction our nation goes, you and I, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're called to be unified. We're called to be together. And so you may be asking the question, how do we overcome prejudice? Well, it, it, it really just begins by the same way you break free from every other sin. By denying yourself, taking on the attitude of Christ, considering others more highly than yourself, and by recognizing this fact that Jesus never saw a human being that did not matter to Him. He never saw a human being that did not matter to him. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, this one has been tight. Come on, tell him, say, this one's been tight, but it's been right. James chapter 2, verse 8, again, he says, hey, if you keep the royal law found in the Scripture, 
Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep that, if you live by that, he says, hey, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, he says, you sin. You sin. I know that America is in turmoil right now. I watch the same news that you guys watch, although I turned it off about a few months, probably about three months ago. But I understand the spiritual and physical temperature of our nation. And I still say this, and I still believe this with all of my heart. I think as the church, this is the greatest time in the history of our world that we have to step out of the four walls of this building and be the church. To present hope. To present love. To present Jesus Christ to people who desperately need Him. And man, you know, when, when Missy and I kind of had that little staycation uh, a week before last, and um, you know, Amanda, my, my, my cousin... She hits the pool. She's, you know, she's actually doing a lot better now. Just give you a little update on that. She's, she's doing a lot better. She can move her arms. And they got her in a wheelchair. And, man, she's all over the place. She's running all over people and everything, running over their feet. So she's got, her, she's got a great attitude about her. And so God's, God's doing some amazing things. But, you know, just that happening and then this happening. We've had two or three things that just happen all at one time. And I'm like, man, it's, <laughs> dude. And it's almost like there's, there's times and seasons in your life where I believe that, that there's almost like a spiritual attack, if you will. I'm not, not being Star trek I'm just being real. There's a spiritual attack that, is, that, that comes against you and your family. And guys, I really believe that we're living in those moments where the enemy of our soul is going to do everything he can to keep the church from leaving the building. Listen, if everything is good in your world and it's rosy and peachy all the time then you might want to check your... Because something wrong. Amen? Something wrong. Because when you set out to wreak havoc with the enemy and what he's trying to do, and you're spreading hope and love and joy, rest assured, the enemy's got you in his crosshairs. But also rest assured... That greater is he that's in me than he who's in the world. So I have got a father in heaven. The Bible says that never sleeps nor slumbers, but watches over me day and night, night and day. You know what that means? That means when I was up at two o'clock this morning praying for this church and praying for you, you know who was up with me? Y'all won't. Y'all had drool all out the side of your mouth. You know who was up with me? Jesus was up with me. And when you go to your job, guess who goes to the job with you? Jesus. When you go about your day and you're at Walmart, Why do you think everybody looks at you different? Because you are different. Why? Because the King of kings and Lord of lords is inside of you. And he's wanting to get out and say, hey, the church has left the building. Let's be the church of Jesus Christ. Our time is drawing near. Let's win as many people as we can to him and make a difference in this thing called life. Stand with me all over the house and give God a big hand clap of praise. church has left the building. 
Come on, let's be the bridge. Turn to somebody and say, be the bridge. Be the bridge. Be the bridge. Be the bridge to to provide hope and healing and love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. Be the bridge to provide these things. Be the bridge that's going to encourage somebody. Be the bridge that's going to help feed those who can't feed themselves. Be the bridge. Man, listen. There was a young lady that was here last week. I'm going to say her name. And she heard about Amanda. And I got a phone call and said, hey, my daughter was in service. This is a young lady, 11 years old, I believe. Come on, how many of you know when they get 11, they grown? You don't blame me, you get you one. Amen? If you like us, get you four. Amen? Then come talk to me. 11 years old, she said, my daughter heard the story about Amanda and made her something. I thought, man, that's, that's amazing. Went and picked it up, nice little car, little cross, little shells in it. And I thought to myself, I said, you know what? That's the church right there. That's the church. She doesn't know Amanda, and they never met her, probably never will meet her. But that's the church. That's the church. So what is God laying on your heart to do? What is He speaking into your life? How can you be the bridge to help somebody to Jesus? Because that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be. Hot button topic, you better believe it. But how many of you know there's never been a problem that this world's faced that God has not already offered a solution? And the solution is Jesus. To look to Him, to trust in Him. Let me pray with you today. Father, thank you for moments like this. Thank you that we're serving you, we're worshiping you, we're giving our hearts and lives to you. Thank you, Lord, for unifying us, bringing us together as a body of believers. Thank you. Lord, we're the church. We're the ecclesia. We're we're, we're not just a building. We're not brick and mortar. We're people who have a heartbeat and we have a soul. And the Spirit of God lives inside of us because we've accepted you. Help us be what you've called us to be. Help us to do what you've called us to do. And help us to be that bridge every single day. In Jesus' name. Now let me pray with you. Just close your eyes if you will. Bow your heads for a moment. How many of you in here could say, Pastor, man, I think all Hades has broke loose in my family. Could you pray for me? You want to slip that hand up? I see that hand. Oh man, I see him. I see him. I see him. I see the hands all over the house. Pastor, man, I, I really just, man, I don't know. I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. Can you pray for me? Maybe you're in here today and you say, Pastor, man, I don't know how I got here. I just come here. And while I've been in here, God has really spoke to my heart. And I want to take today and I want to, I want to resign as CEO of my life. I want to give him everything I've got. How many of you in here could say, today's the day, Pastor. I want to go all in for Jesus. Could you slip a hand up? If you mean business with him, he means business with you. Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we know that we live in a fallen world and sin abounds. But Lord, where sin abounded, your word says grace did much more abound. And so God, right now, we just pray for the families in this house who are up under an attack. God, we ask that you would lift them up, that you would give them strength, you would give them comfort, 
you would watch over them. And Father, help them to experience you. Help them to be drawn closer to you. And God, be with us. You know the needs. You know those who really need a touch from you today. And so God, we just offer it up to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said amen. Amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap of praise all over the house. Don't forget, guys, we do have a few shirts that are out there available. If we don't have your size, write your name down, and I think we're going to probably try to do another order a little later on in this series. But uh, don't forget the shirts. Don't forget the hats if you'd like one. Don't forget your envelope. Be praying about what God would lay on your heart to do on October the 4th. And let's just be the bridge, guys. Amen? So you guys know how we do. If this is your first time, we don't dismiss you all at one time. We're trying to abide by our regulations that have been set forth. So what we do here is we dismiss you in sections. Another thing you'll notice is that we didn't take up an offering today. There's a reason for that. If you didn't have an opportunity to give online, then when I dismiss your section, you'll see two high top tables at these two doors right here. This is the way you're going to go out. If you'd like, you could drop something off in those baskets. Again, guys, we love you. We appreciate you. We're going to send this section right here. We love you guys. Be blessed. Have a great day.